And we're going to start in three, two, one. Hello, my friends. My name is Hawa Tunkara. I am a junior at Barnard College studying economics. And welcome to the H Suite Chats. So today's episode is actually a very special episode. So I'm currently in Brazil. As you guys know, I've been studying abroad since um, the beginning of the fall 2019 semester. And I have the privilege and the pleasure of bringing on two medical students from the Santa Casa uh, University here in Brazil. So I have Fernando. Yeah, he's a third year medical student at Santa Casa University that's within Sao Paulo. And I also have Juan. And he's a second year medical student at Santa Casa also studying in um, the university within Sao Paulo. So hello, guys. How do you feel? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's such an honor to be here. Yeah, it was really nice to be invited to this. The purpose of, of it is awesome. Thank you, Akawa. Of course, guys, of course. All right, so I'm going to give you guys the big spiel. And the main question that I always start with everyone is kind of just walk me through the process in which you took in getting to the university that you are currently in? So like through high school and making the decision to go into being a medical student. And any one of you guys can start. All right, I can start. So hi guys, I'm Juan. So I'm currently in the second year of medical school here at Santa Casa uh, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. So I've decided to go to medical school because like, I had a, a girlfriend <laughs> uh, in in high school. She knew since she was a child that she wanted medical school and she wanted to be a doctor. And she transferred this this love for doctors and yeah health in general. And I started looking uh, for that thing a lot differently. And. I started going with her in surgeries and going with doctors and getting to know this this field and I really loved it and it's like a beautiful a beautiful uh field of of work so I I really liked it and I think that that's the <laughs> that's why I've I've decided and I've did like two years of what we call here cursinho. Translated, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> the literal translation would be like little course, but <laughs> it's not this. It's it's like a limbo between the the high school and the college, where you study the the things that you you learn in high school, but you study all of it in one year, so you can redo the test of uh, like to get in the college so we redo this test it's called vestibular and we try to pass it because like here in brazil if you want to go to to medical school like there's a lot of competition and there's a lot of people trying in like every college so it's pretty hard and you gotta have like the highest uh, scores in that test so it's like this I did two years of this thing called Crucinho and then I got into medical school and I'm here like uh, about two years now so 
basically you were influenced by the girlfriend you had in high school. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and you said you went to surgeries with surgeries with her. Like yeah. you guys like go to classes to do that. Was no, no. Uh, she like her family was friends with some doctors, and they took us to their work, and I really liked it. Like it was fascinating like seeing the the body working and all that open like the body open opened <laughs> it was like I, I thought it was beautiful because all just works f i i don't know <laughs> it's hard to explain that in a language that is not my own but it's pretty amazing all right i respect <laughs> that fernando so I was more like his girlfriend in high school. <laughs> I always knew that I wanted to follow this path. I tried to run away from this because I knew it, it was going to be really difficult to get in. So I tried another applications, but I then I realized that I I couldn't <laughs> run away from medical from, from medical school. So I. I decided to follow this path and here I am. So then what drew yeah. you to it to begin with? Like what about medical or what about medicine? Was like, Ferdinando, this must be what I need to do. Um, so in my family, there is a lot of people that are from the health, that worked with health. So nurses and another doc other doctors. So I grew up watching them and I started to like it. So I decided that Mm, that's for me too <laughs> and i i followed this path yeah it was so it was really natural for me you know i really tried to run away <laughs> but it, it just didn't work it's usually i mean a lot of people are influenced by what their family does too as well so that's that makes perfect sense and so you touched on a little bit about the little that like you guys went f directly from for those of you who are from the u.s and we understand the medical school or pre-med as like you go from high school then you go to college, you do your pre-med requirements for the four-year duration. Either you major in biology or you can even major in poli-sci. I've seen it all. And just fulfill those requirements. And then from that, you apply to medical school when you're in undergrad for the four years or whatever. Mind you, I'm not a pre-med student. So I can like have, I'm butchering the facts a little bit, but like that's generally what I understood from traveling with pre-med kids all this time. And <laughs> then you apply to medical school and then hopefully you get in and you continue on from there doing your next four years and then your residency and all this craziness so for you guys that entire four years is just skipped you go from high school directly into medical school and that's a six-year you know process yes. can you walk me through what that looks like when you're in your either junior year or or third year or fourth year in high school like when does that process start when you're like okay i'm going to be applying to medical school i'm going to be applying to this like is it a test you have to take do you guys have to study for that test like what does that even look like here in brazil we only have like three years of high school we don't have four years of high school so blessing yeah <laughs> so we have like three years of high school and then we choose a career in this like the the last year uh in the last year the last year we have like 17 18 years so for me it's like pretty young to choose mm -hmm. like what you want to do for life but all right uh, then we choose this apply for a a college and then it depends on the the course the 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 bachelor degree that you want to to go through 
you have like different um, durations, of course. But uh, in medical school, like it's six years of medical school and you go right through it. Like you go right to it. <laughs> so from high school, then medical school, you don't have pre-med, you just start doing med med school and it's six years till you get your bachelor degrees degree and then you can specialize but after that six years you're uh, a doctor and you can work as a general uh, doctor okay and then i know the six so we also have something like private schools versus public schools and i know it's a huge thing here and it's almost flipped on its head the idea behind public and private when you guys are explaining it to us my understanding of a, like the pro- public versus private, when you're in private institution in the U.S., it's like there's like a higher status quo to that. Like you're going to an Ivy, you're going to a private school, you paid more for your education, so it must be worth more. For you guys, it's almost flipped on its head, where public schools are one that people vie for, people are basically like being challenged to get into. So what does that process look like for you when you were going through it? Because Santa Casa is not a, it's a public school, it's a private school. Private school. So... What was that decision-making process for you besides between choosing private versus public? Yeah, here in Brazil, uh, the public uh, universities, they are more... People want to go to a public university here in Brazil more than private ones. It's the total opposite of the the U.S. So, but it's obviously harder to get in. So that's why we are here at a private one. Medical school is really difficult to get in here in Brazil. So the public ones are even more difficult. So that's why we are here. Uh, And some of the public ones, maybe we got in, but they are not really good. So we decided to stay here. Some of them are, I don't know, really far from here. And eventually we chose to be here. Yeah. Yeah, and also like we here in Brazil, we have this thing that the public is not that good and the private's better. In the like, uh, wait, <laughs> in the high school we have this, and before that also. So in high school and before that, uh, the the private schools are better. So. Uh, the government it like it's not good at giving this education this basic education here in brazil so me i've come to i've come from a a a private school here in brazil and like i have this privilege because it's obviously um it's not cheap so like we have this advantage when we're like uh, trying to get into college, and like I think that the the public colleges or the public universities here are better because uh, the government invests a lot of of money in, in them, and there are a lot of universities of of private universities that are like very good, and that compete with these public uh, universities but everyone wants like free education so that's why we like uh, try to get into these public universities yeah because the public universities sometimes you can go in for free right because like tuition played 
like you just pay to do the test but if you don't have the condition to like if you don't have the money to pay you don't need to pay uh, for the test that you you do after your high school and then you get in for free you don't pay anything textbooks fees uh, yeah you, you like you pay your textbooks okay. but you can like uh, rent them in your library if you want to I never bought a book actually I always take them from the library here uh, but he's right it's funny because some parents choose uh, pri uh, private schools for their kids so that your kids can get into a public university later yeah it's It's a Brazilian way of life. Oh yeah, that's so interesting because usually people would do just private into private, I think. I think public schools always have that stigma. It's government run, so it must not be the best in the world. Or if it's free, it's not good enough. Let me see, give you an example. Like in New York City, we have um, something called the City Universities of New York and then obviously State Universities of New York. We coined them CUNYs and SUNYs. And CUNYs and SUNYs are cheaper than, let's say, Columbia or Barnard, or whatever the case may be. So whenever you get into a CUNY, you probably won't be in as much debt as someone who goes into, like, Columbia or, or Barnard. Like, or, or I don't even know how much the price is. I probably have to look it up, but it's way cheaper. Yeah, and that's a, a funny thing uh, about uh, the U.S. You usually, like, uh, don't, like, you take uh, loans to, to do your, uh, your college, right? Yeah, here in Brazil, I don't think that we have, like, this culture. Because the taxes here to get loans are, like, really high. Uh, so I don't know, it's a different economics. So we have, like, really high uh, taxes to get loans. Different from, from the U.S. That usually you have, like, not, like, low, low taxes, don't you, to get loans? Student loans and things like that? Yeah, if you get something like an... Un uh, taxes? Do we pay taxes? You're asking... I'm an I, I don't know person. if that's I should the... know this. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but you do, but like interest, like interest payments on maybe, your loans, maybe. maybe something similar. Yeah. Like if it's it depends if it's subsidized or unsubsidized, meaning right. the government pushes off your interest payments for your loans until after six months after you graduate. That's a possibility if you're in financial need, and if not, like let's say you're like a little bit better off financially, you pay your interest along with the actual bill for the loans. So it's different. Yeah, I think that uh, it's interest, the, the right word, sorry. <laughs> so we have a higher interest here. I think that is... That's good. I mean, that's good and bad. It's good because it discourages people from getting loans, but it's bad because, yes. well, it's high. And what if you It's bad it? because, like, people who can't afford a, a private university and they didn't have a, a good a basic education, they can't get into the the public university it's harder from for them to get in the public university because they compete with us that had private education our whole life and they it's pretty hard for them to get into public university even more if you think about uh medical medical school so and they can't afford for to to like pay for the the private schools here in Brazil and they can't get loans so because the interest is so high that like there's no possibility for them to pay for that later so like there's a cycle of poverty and like uh, I don't know lack of education here in Brazil 
and I think that that's one of the reasons why it happens. Yeah, because we were just saying, like, the fact that, let's say, you couldn't even afford to go to a private institution before you went to college. How do you expect to, because, you know, that's what probably, I'm guessing private high school, private middle school, or whatever you guys want to call it, like, the, that those are the best ones. So you're better prepared to take the test to get into the public institution for free. But then, even if you didn't get in, you could still afford a private institution if you wanted to, because you were able to afford private school. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, I've just looked it up and in Google Translate and interest is the right word. No, I mean, and then it's interesting how you mentioned like education here in Brazil and also being the economics lover that I am. Brazil has one of the biggest or one of the worst Gini coefficient indicators. So basically like indicator of inequality has one of the worst. Yeah, we do. We have a lot of we inequality lot of here. And you can see that in the street, can't you? Yeah, I mean, can you elaborate, what do you mean by that? I don't know. I, I think that uh, here in Brazil, there's a lot of people that um, is living in the street. So, uh, especially here in Sao Paulo, and you're, we're here, you're, you're here like for the first time, right? And here in the central area that we are, we have a lot of people living in the street and I don't know if you went to to the peripheral part of the city because city, like if you don't have enough money you go to the the peripheral parts of the city and there's a lot of poverty you can like see that it's on your face like mm -hmm. in your face I don't know okay. <laughs> uh, but like there's a lot of people living in houses that are like undone and also if you go to the Paulista Avenue or like Jardins it, it's a it's a neighborhood here you can see like uh, big houses big apartments and things like this and it's all beautiful here like in the central area and thing and like in the peripheral part of the city, you have a lot of favelas, and it's, like, pretty hard. We have a lot of inequality here. Yeah, like, uh, this neighborhood where we are, it's a really nice neighborhood here in Sao Paulo. But the other ones around here, they are not. Like, it's a central area, and there's a lot of poverty. So uh, you can look to your right and see an awesome building where... A lot of rich people live and at the sidewalk there is a lot of uh, homeless people brazil is like that not just uh, at the streets but at education and health and everything in it just gets worse i mean we're here studying public health that's part of the program and something that i've noticed has been these like occupations and you guys call them occupations or something like that in portuguese where people are squatting People who, you know, these buildings are there, they were built, they may have been like a finance building or something like that, and they're completely abandoned. And then people come in and make it their own space. And I've actually visited one, and I want to talk to you guys a little bit about that afterwards, but I want to know what your opinion is when you see this like drastic inequality in your face constantly, day-to-day -day basis, and you go to a school in this very nice neighborhood, but then you see the realities. What does that mean for you? That's a really nice question because we are so used to this that sometimes we don't even um, 
ask ourselves what is going on, you know. So there, there is a lot of occupations here in São Paulo, especially at the central area where we are. So uh, we are walking through the streets and there is an, ab an abandoned building with people living in it. And they are mostly uh, unemployed people, uh, poor people that don't have money and they don't have jobs. And sometimes they are forced to, to get out of the building when the owner reclaim the building, you know. Uh, I know one story uh, of one occupation near here uh, that uh, the owner put a fire on the building. So the people that were living there leave the building. Yeah, it's it, it's <laughs> it's a quite a phenomenon, you know. Oh my goodness! So he yeah. put the fire. He put the building to flame so the people who were like squatting there oh. could leave. Wow. Or die. Or die. Or die. Okay. Yeah. That's that's depressing <laughs> in all ways, shape, or form. Yeah, reality. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Like I I went to an occupation this year, so it's. Uh, It's like a good thing to talk about now. So we have here, like in Santa Casa, in the second year that I've just went through, uh, we have a subject that is called uh, social social uh, studies. Yeah, so social sciences or social studies applied to medicine. Mm. So uh, with this subject, we went uh, to. I don't know the basic uh, unities of health. Yeah, we call them UBSs. UBS. It's like a primary assistance. Yes. So we went uh, there, and we how how can I say acompanhar? Follow. Yeah, we followed uh, a we followed a public health assistant, and. This public health assistant, it, he or she goes to people's houses, mm -hmm. and then they like see if they need some help or like schedule some some appointments to them in this UBS, this primary uh, health system. And I went with uh, a guy. I don't remember. Ah. His name it was Jackson, <laughs> uh, and he he took me and my partner. We usually go uh, with another person. He took me and my partner to this occupation here in São Paulo Center, and it it was pretty rough. Like uh, there's wires everywhere. There's pipes everywhere because it's not a, a finished building like. It wasn't for that pur purpose. It wasn't uh, built for that purpose. It this building was a um, fabrica factory. Yes, it was a factory. A uh, like it, it wasn't for for people to live. So there was there was pipes everywhere. There was uh, wires passing like. Everywhere there was water in the ceiling and in the ground. It it wasn't like a good place to live, and like uh, there was no division from where 
one family lived to another. Like there was uh, some wood, but pretty thin wood, and like it was every everything there was a gambiarra that we call it here. Like uh, it was made f uh, by them, mm -hmm. not by anyone who knew <laughs> what they were doing. So it seemed like a, a bad place to live. Like we could see some cockroaches and mosquitoes. It, it wasn't a good place to live. And like I saw a family there that this public health assistant was following. They had like, it was a mother, a father and five children. Like they were really young. And when we get there, uh, the mother asked one of the oldest uh, to uh, take the youngest and give a bath. But like the oldest was nine years and the youngest was like one year. So, and, and they had like one bathroom in each floor for everyone. And how many people lived per floor? A lot of people, I, I don't know. But a lot of people prefer like uh, six or seven families and families like that, that had, uh, they had a lot of children and imagine that, I, I, I imagine that they can't afford uh, food for everyone, I don't know. And they also received like um, money from the government to, to like get food and things like that. But... It seemed like a pretty rough uh, living situation. The reason why I ask is because I, actually, I visited one yesterday. Uh, was it yesterday? Yes, it was yesterday. It was the Occupação Ovidor, which is in the center. Centro? It's a centro. That's the, that's the address I'm looking at. But what was interesting to me, and it's interesting how you even you mentioned a lot of the the inequalities that these people face in a country where universal health care is promoted. You guys have a universal health care system um, intact. And I want to like complicate the image as well because I want the, 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 the listeners to also know that, yes, they, they live in these situations. And something that I learned, though, when I was there was, you know, the squatters are usually considered like nuances to people who live around those... Um, those buildings like very rich wealthy people who are living like right across the street you see these like buildings right in front of you and yet you don't you don't do much about it and the one that i went to there are approximately 150 people living in it with about 13 floors and they all kind of coexist in this community so a lot of the individuals are artists sculptors dancers um, spray painters and they all had their own personalities and things along the lines of that and they managed to kind of organize a space between each other that worked for them like they had these like right like rules and regulations you would see in any other system of place like everyone's up by 10 a.m everyone's going to sleep at 10 p.m um three people per day they change it up cook for this floor or whatever the case may be because i went to the specific that the specific floor i'm talking about was the um the circus the circus collective the circus collective and those individuals are from there and they talked a lot about how yes they're kind of faced as the outsiders from the from the greater society. Like they couldn't make it 
in this very competitive society like hey we're here but we weren't good enough for the system and so we were cast aside and put into this building but they're still making something out of it and there still is a community there so yeah there there are like little in, like there are facing major inequalities and like human health right violations but i wanted to add that little nuance to it too that even in the worst situations people can still kind of come together and use and just i don't know make something of whatever the situation is so that's just to complicate the idea but you're nodding i think you had something to say uh i think something that happens with uh poor people here in brazil there is a sense of collectivity i don't know if that's the right word but they are they look for one another and they have like they make it work among them you know the, like the, you said they have to wake up at this time they have to go to no bed alcohol. at the time they are yeah. really organized yeah they're not they are not part of the society but they it's like they create their own you know and it's and it's very interesting um and actually i'm now that i mentioned it it is universal health care here that's one difference between us and you guys what does that even look like in a place like this like what does universal health care mean to you especially now that you're you're going to be working within it the system of wellness and for all and yet You're one of the most unequal countries in the world. What does that even mean? Like the big, I mean, I've been studying it in the books, but I would love to hear what it is to be in the day-to-day living that lifestyle and being aware of your own positionality in this situation. It's like a, a beautiful idea. In the paper, it, it's beautiful. <laughs> Because like uh, in paper, everyone can have health and it's like given by the government but in reality i think that this public health system that we have it applies much more to the poor people and the rich people use uh not public health <laughs> uh private, private health, health yeah they pay for health yeah. so Rich people usually pay for plans of health. I don't know if you have this in... Yeah, like private health insurance. Yes. Yeah, yes. So rich people usually pay for private health insurance. And rich the really rich people sometimes don't even pay for this because they can't afford if they need. But so what happens here in brazil is that usually the poor people use uses this uh public health system and the rich people don't use it much but it there's also like an inequality between the public health and the the private health like i think that Ferdinand can tell a, a lot better <laughs> yeah and Ferdinand, if you could talk about SUS as well and what that system even looks like too that'd be great All right, so SUS is our um, yeah, it's our public health system. Uh, it's like Juan said, it's a really beautiful idea. Uh, it's really important. It doesn't work as it's supposed to, but it works somehow. And for that one, for the ones that don't have, they can afford the private uh, plans, private insurance. Like it's really important for them. So. So it might don't work as it's supposed to, but it's really important. I would have to say that. And we should 
improve it, not uh, make it worse like it's happening here in Brazil. Like I mentioned, things are getting worse here, education and health. So, so this, uh, like Juan said, is for the poor people of Brazil in general, like the ones with money don't use it because they have another options, you know, they have other options. So it's more for the poor people. It's really important for them. And we, sh I Brazil is a really poor country, so we should make it better, not worse. Interesting. Right? Well, first, okay, I have a few things for that. Wait, SUS, what is, can you give us what it means? SUS, because that's an acronym of... Sistema <laughs> Unico de Saúde. Like, it, it means, you no, not not unique. Uh, let me... <laughs> but yeah, let me... It's like, Google that. unique yeah. health system. I, I it's, It means universal health system, but like, yeah. let's say, SUS in Brazil. Sistema Unico de Saúde. It's like, integrated... Uh, system integrated health system yeah it basically says uh, a public health system yeah yeah and i'm gonna tweak into you a little bit because you you mentioned it's getting worse and we need to make it better but what about healthcare or education in your opinion like specifically is getting worse or isn't improving in your opinion can i answer that <laughs> so what's happening here in brazil i think over the last years is that we're having a a crisis a financial crisis i think that uh it has been happening for like five or six years or so so uh there's a lot of uh middle class people that is migrating to the public health system and this is happening and we can see that because like there was there's people that didn't usually use this public health system that are using now and it's usually this middle class people and i think that that was what Ferdinando meant when he said that it's getting worse yeah they used to pay for insurance and now they use the have the public health system as well so more people is uh, more people are using the the system, but it's not receiving as much money as it needs. That's basically this. I see. So let's say we have a there's a set for what they wanted the public health system to be able to provide for certain people who couldn't are who aren't able to afford the private health insurance or the private health system. But now we have people moving in from the private health system to the public health system, but the funding isn't increasing for this. So now there's more people using the same exact system that may or may not even have been fully covering those who actually needed it and who weren't able to afford the private health insurance. Yeah, uh, we have also the government is like, uh, it has deb debts, I think. And we, we have a financial, financial crisis also in the government. And uh, so, so the public health system is also declining, I think. Yeah. And, and like, there's risks that the public health system it would get even less money than it gets, and it's not enough money to to like uh, give this to the poor people, and it's even harder to give the middle class uh, like adequate health. And do you have any idea why the people are moving from private health insurance or private health care to public health care? Like I know I don't know if it's not a fair question to ask, but I'm curious. 
uh, it's related to the financial crisis that Juan mentioned because people are losing their jobs here in Brazil. There is a major crisis uh, involving jobs and stuff, stuff like that. So people are moving, they are choosing not to pay because sometimes they can't afford anymore, like insurance. They used to, but now they can't because of the crisis. Uh, some people are losing their jobs. Some people are, ha they have to like uh, spend more, spend less money with things. So they are uh, deciding not to pay insurance, and they are moving to the public system as well. And as he said, uh, the public system is just not receiving more money. He's receiving less money with more people getting to the system. So it's getting hard getting hard oh my goodness but then here you guys are studying medicine and you're about to enter the system so what does that mean for the future i mean i love to talk about this but what does that mean for you guys entering a system that is in the current state that is it that it is in now yeah it is pretty hard because uh here santa casa is a private hospital uh but it's a philanthropist it's non-profit yeah, non-profit so what happens is Santa Casa also uh, it attends uh SUS. So uh it's like a public a public hospital, but there's also a private institution institution that gives money to Santa Casa. So um we like we're about to enter Ferdinando is mm -hmm. <laughs> is almost there because we here here in Brazil in medical school we start our internship in the hospital in the fifth and the sixth year so he's almost there <laughs> I just finished the third one <laughs> and I'm not near <laughs> but okay so we're about to enter this system and like we sometimes they don't have like basic things to do some i don't know uh curativo checkups no 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 like we don't have like bandages and basic things just the basic supplies yes. and technology sometimes they don't have this they don't have like m uh medicine to give to the patients so it's it's pretty hard we have to adapt <laughs> yeah and there's also a a positive way of looking at this like Ferdinando said we we learn to adapt to to these situations so sometimes if you like go to a public or, or a private uh, hospital you have everything and like you can use the latest uh, technology and things like that here at Santa Casa we can't use this like there's not the latest technology and sometimes there we lack the basic things so we learn to adapt a lot and it's a good thing i think yeah because you're learning when it's rough and when it's rough you learn more so when it's easy so like it's like someone who starts where it's easy and then they don't know what happens when things when things hit the fan but then you're like sure it's already hit the fan we just gotta clean it up now sure <laughs> sure <laughs> oh my goodness all right that's fair i would like to know though because a lot of and I'm basing this on a, a lot of what I've learned here in Brazil, but also just in other countries that I've been in and just how important it is. I mean, focusing on that medical aspect of things, because you said you do six years of your medical school, 
then afterwards you decide what do you want to specialize in, like pediatrics or all the other things that come with being a medical student. So what is, I mean, you're a little bit older, Ferdinando. So in terms of like what you've experienced thus far, what are some tracks that you're looking into currently? And you're like, you know what, this is something I can see myself going into. Uh, now, I think that I want to follow the infectology path, you know, um, diseases, uh, contagious diseases and things like that, because it's something that I have interest. I work with people with HIV and with LGBTQ plus population. So it's something that interests me. I like this social way of medicine, this path really interests me so i'm not a surgery person <laughs> for sure and that's something that i want to follow but i like changing my mind um a few times through this last years <laughs> i might change again but for now that's what i want but i know more what i don't want <laughs> uh, than what i want that's that's for me and for you juan yeah i, I think that for me it's uh, almost the same as, as Ferdinando. I know a lot better what I don't want to follow, and I, I have no idea what I want to follow right now. I'm like I thought when I got into. I thought that I really liked surgery, and I thought that I would go into general surgery, and then specialize even more, but. I I saw the life that the surgeons have here in Brazil. I don't think I, I don't think that there's only in Brazil. I think that <laughs> yeah. Like surgeons have a lot of stress and I think that the life expectancy of a uh woman a sur surgeon a surgeon woman, yeah. A woman, yeah. Uh here in Brazil it's like 56 years. So it's pretty low compared to men yeah men age. it's like 60 wait you mean like their life yeah. like how long they live yeah it's like 20 years less than the general population why is that the case it's insane the routine is really hard you don't have a life you have to sacrifice yourself to be here and and the night at i don't know it's insane like you your salary yeah you you have re you receive a lot, but you don't have time for yourself. So it's uh, it's really stressful. It's really hard, and that, I don't want that for my life. <laughs> for I, I want, sure. You want to live. You want to work life balance, basically. Yeah, that's what we yes. love calling work life balance. Everyone out here wants work life balance. It's yeah. important, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, also you're in a stage in your life. I mean, how old are you? Twenty two. Twenty two as well. I'm twenty. Hey. Oh, no, younger. Really younger, but that's fine. No, because I think that's the only thing I have against starting your career track right after high school. Because you don't even have a buffer to really think about or do that trial and error thing. You're kind of just trial and error in this pre-med space. I mean, it's not sorry, medical space. It's not even pre-med anymore. It's just medical space, and you're like trial and error. What am I gonna do for the rest of our life? For the rest of your life. I mean, that I've they've, I've been told. I don't know if this is a statistic that's like actually viable, but our people, like people on our generation, I keep saying that, but it is true. We're more likely maybe change career paths, maybe two, three times in our lifetime. So they say, and I can say that not, maybe not for you guys, but in general, like hopefully you guys stick with the, the hospital theme and try to fix. Uh, hopefully, hopefully. And <laughs> yeah, no one wants to really invest this much money and then not continue. No. 
moving forward. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I think you guys are kind of locked yeah. in. Maybe like within, maybe moving moving around within the medical sphere. It won't be like oh, I'm a medical student. Okay, tomorrow I want to go study comp sci. Like it, it'll be like within. Or maybe trying to do another thing while you still practice medicine. It's like how you make money with medicine, and you can try another thing. Like I'm really into art, so. I might try yeah. something like that. Or you that. can try podcasting, you know, this yeah. side hustle. It's a new, it's a new thing. <laughs> Who knows? I'm liking this. <laughs> it's amazing. And I would love to follow yours if you ever do come to it. Yeah, I mean, I remember when you guys were telling us, I mean, because you guys gave us a panel. Were you, you were in the panel? No, I wasn't in the panel. The, no, yeah. So Ferdinand, we were in the panel when we first came here to Brazil. And you guys were giving us the rundown of what it is to be a student here in the in Brazil or in Sao Paulo. And you guys gave us your time of day. Like, how do you, like, from, you guys start like 7.30 a.m. or something like that? Like, walk me through your a day in the life of a med student in Sao Paulo. Okay, so our classes usually starts at 7.30 in the morning. But, well, Sao Paulo is a big city and I live a little bit far from where I study. So I wake up at 5.45. That's because I, well, I, I like to take a shower in the morning and I like to, you know, eat my breakfast kind of calmly. Well, you know, I, I like to have some time to eat my breakfast and do my stuff before I go to, to my classes. And also I take 40 minutes from my house to the university. So, yeah, I wake up a little bit earlier, almost two hours earlier but it's good for me it's okay then well we have classes from 7:30 to midday to 12 o'clock sometimes it yeah usually we have like two classes in this space and one is about one hour and a half until nine and the other it's like a three-hour class some teachers some professors they give us like a a little you know time between well in in the middle of the class for us to get something to eat or maybe go to the bathroom uh, drink some water and then come back and then finish the the, the class sometimes we don't <laughs> <laughs> so that's synonymously said exactly yeah. at the same time some of the professors like they just keep going for three hours straight talking and talking and talking and well this guy it's kind of you know tiring yeah, that is the word. So then from 12 to, to 1 in the afternoon, we have our lunch time. So usually, well, we some, some people bring food from home. Some people go have lunch in the nearby restaurants or in our academic center where we have a, a restaurant as well. And it's more affordable there. And then we come back and have classes from 1 p.m. till 5 p.m. Usually it's like just one class again, one professor. And yeah, it's really tiring as well. In the afternoon, they usually give us this interval time for us to go eat something, have a coffee or something so we don't sleep at the class uh but i think that is it you know well no that is not i'm sorry <laughs> yeah there's this thing like usually i think med students here in well at least in our university usually do more than just attend the, the normal classes so we have like uh we call it academic leagues 
where we study uh, like specific uh, things maybe surgery maybe you know OBGYN usually people tend to focus and in, in what they think they want to be so there are specific classes usually who creates these things is the, the, the students so they gather themselves and you know ask a teacher to come and give them an extra class about that specific matter that they like you can also do science and research and like you will do it after class because like it's the time you have or you know some people do sports after class so usually uh, for me like i get at home at eight probably like most of the days when i get home earlier it's like a you know achievement of the day my routine is really similar of with his i woke up like 7 a.m i my class starts at 8 p.m a.m sorry and we have lunch break at 12 to 12 uh, from 1 p.m and then our class finishes at 5 p.m and then i have meetings yeah courses we have stud groups it's insane research <laughs> yeah it's not really regular but we always have extra activities to do here quote-unquote free time so basically you have to keep up because if everyone's doing something you must be doing it too sure. yeah, yeah. similar to our conversation that we had earlier that's so interesting though i mean because everyone's like when i think medical students or pre-med kids i always by default think overachievers Which is not a bad thing. It's a good thing, I think, right? Because everyone's just striving and, you know, doing medical things. And so I think that's what you were trying to get at. Like, if everyone's an overachiever around you and you're not doing, you're playing your part, then something's obviously wrong, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And that's due to the, you know, competitive way that med medical students have. Like, we're very competitive. And we also need to have a good CV, Because, like, in the future, we will be evaluated by it. Well, we have our residency, which is our specialization. And uh, almost everyone wants to do it after the, the med school. So when you want to do it, you go through a test, a CV evaluation, and most of the times also an interview. So there's always this competition. It never stops and well yeah it's pretty rough you know so it's really expected for you to do extra academic things in med med school did your school like offer some type of services for people to go to like therapists or like activities that kind of take you and remove you from the stressful space to kind of just relax and take a break and take a moment to yourself I mean, we have a mental health department here, so we have psychiatry assistants and psychologists, but it's it doesn't work as it's supposed to. Yeah, mostly we have to look for things for our break for ourselves. You know, nobody's looking for us. We have to look for ourselves. So basically, no one's reaching out to you. You have to reach out to them for them to help you out. Yeah, and also like kind of see this culture here of skipping some classes yeah well you know we we need to have 75 percent of presence in our classes 
so yeah sometimes we need to to use this 25% of of classes that we can skip like you don't need to give a reason for that you just don't go to the class uh don't sign the list so you know we use this for basic things sometimes going to the doctor usually doctors they're not open after our classes because we have classes till nine so in the whole morning so it's kind of hard and also like yeah doing some cultural programs or you know something that you you feel like you need to do sometimes even sleeping you know self-care days that's what we're calling them self-care days okay My psychologist is every Friday afternoon. Yeah, and I have classes, so I have to skip them to go to my psychologist. Priority, you know. <laughs> really? Why couldn't they schedule some other day? I'm a really busy person, so <laughs> I don't have that much free time. I have a theory that we have three things in our lives. Like, we have to study, we have to sleep, and we have to have our life. So we can do three at, at the same time you have to choose. <laughs> sometimes we don't sleep, sometimes we don't study, sometimes we don't look for personal life. Yeah. And that sounds, I mean, this narrative is pretty similar, even within the States. So let me be honest with you. It's how do you balance being a student, doing the extracurriculars that are going to get you your internship? For like us, it's like, for me specifically, like because I study economics, it's what do I need to do to look good on a resume? Mm -hmm. And then yes. still have a social life and be sociable and breathe and sleep and eat. Because sometimes you forget to do that. <laughs> I know, I know. It might be something like from our generation, maybe. Like we have everything in our hands, everything is near us because of internet maybe, you know. So we can talk to our friends anytime. We need to answer them on every social media. Uh, well, there's always something new to watch like in Netflix, Hulu, HBO. Yeah. Every streaming service you can possibly think of is in our reach. Name a company and you have it. As you said, yeah, there's like everything has, has your, your own streaming service right now. And, you know, we're always trying to do everything. We're always trying to see the latest series. Well, listen to the last podcast, go out with our friends, go to the new bar, to the new restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> we're always trying to embrace everything. I think we're trying to be perfect in every way of our lives. We have to be good students, we have to be a good boyfriend, we have to be good boyfriends, good sons. We have to be good you at everything. a good person, you gotta be a good human, yeah. a, a good exactly. entity on this universe. And so yeah. you just gotta be a good everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything <laughs> has to be yeah. perfect. And it's so interesting because fundamentally... Humans are imperfect. And yes. it's only when we like when we slip up and we try to juggle everything. And I'm, I'm not even good at juggling, so I don't know why we, they're making me do that. But juggling everything and trying to find a balance, is that even possible sometimes? I think something that it's from our generation. We are never enough. We have to be perfect at everything. We know that it's impossible. We are, we are trying. No, you trigger the memory like... I was reading something in terms of just the reason and maybe part of that reason for why we feel like we have to be on top of everything 100% of the time is because you can easily access the next person through any social media interface 
like Britney just got this job at Goldman Sachs and the Goldman Sachs like a big bank or something like that oh wow Britney got that I must be like Britney you know and because we're you're so easy to compare yourself to someone else you have to be perfect because someone else looks perfect to you because that's what they're portraying on their media that's what they're portraying when you're in class that's what when they when you see them they're like put together and you're like I can't believe that this girl is this way or this guy is this way whoever it is yeah and like everyone's showing the the best part of themselves in social media right they're always like it seems like they're always traveling they're always with their friends always you know having fun and the the worst part of their lives the the like the bad part of their lives they don't show it they don't show them uh not sleeping enough having a lot of coffee i don't know crying sometimes yeah i can see it for uh, from myself here i'm complaining about my life but but if you look uh, at my instagram no. wow he's traveling I, i looked through your instagram i was like wow uh, this guy looks like he's <laughs> like you're a medical student and you do this with like sit is completely different from medical school medical school you guys find time to talk to us and i'm like you guys must have it together <laughs> yeah we don't have it to like together. we don't have it together <laughs> <laughs> you know i think that me and ferdinando might be you know overachievers uh, as you said even here at Santa Casa for for us medical students and stuff for our like uh competitive environment i think that we might be kind of crazy you know because we do a lot of things yeah and like uh my psychologist said that that i'm always trying to embrace the world and maybe that i should choose something <laughs> maybe not no she doesn't say maybe she like said that I should do it like focus more on my energies but I think that I'm I'm this person you know that likes to do a lot of things and I doesn't I I don't need to to make them perfectly so I'm okay with them just being fine you know like I don't need the 10 I, I'm okay with 7 or 8 So, yeah, <laughs> I, I think I'm that's this good. kind of person. Yeah, Fernando was like snapping over here. He's like, yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, girl. Oh, good God, girl. <laughs> yeah, totally. We get into a lot of things. Sometimes we don't even like that thing, those things. And then we regret. <laughs> But we already took it and we won't drop it. There is this too. But it, it's like one said, we are not like the regular students. We are overachievers. We are like always more and more and more and more sometimes we just want to kill ourselves <laughs> yeah like uh, by the end of the semester oh my gosh but now we are okay we're here at a saturday having a, a conversation everything's fine it's perfect <laughs> like maybe i don't know i don't know what you're from Ananda, but i'm dying but <laughs> no. i i'm already dead so <laughs> oh my goodness no i mean But that's the life. I think that's just college tales. It's the misadventures of a college student. It it just is what it is, and that's that's that. And that's part of the reason why I decided to make this podcast. It's because of stories like this. It's you look at the person, you think they must be doing well, but then you realize when you talk to them, and you take the time to get to know them. You're like, you know what? We are exactly the same boat. Yeah. And it's that level of 
Yes. As sometimes you feel like you're alone in that situation when you're like, I must be the only one. There's no way someone's doing the exact same thing and struggling as much as I am. But then when you take the time to just sit down, even if it is cross, literally cross continents, like it is right now, like at the end of the day, we're doing this together. So it's something about that community of college students as an entity <laughs> who are struggling the same struggle makes it just a little bit better. Do you agree? We are real, right? Yeah, yeah. It's funny because, like, you're from the U.S., we're from Brazil, and we're here all empathizing with each other about being a college student, right? At, at this point, it's universal, and I'm glad it is because I wanted to make sure. I didn't want to assume. That's why I was like, I have to get, if I'm going abroad, I have to check. Make sure that it's not just us. It's not just the U.S. It's not just New York. It's not just Barnard. It's everywhere. And that's, that's, a, that's a journey I'm willing to continue going on, personally. I do, I mean, you guys mentioned it a little bit about balancing, and I feel, I feel like everyone wants to kind of know this too, social scenes, social life. You say you juggle it, but you have to be the perfect friend, you have to be the perfect boyfriend. Like, give it to me straight. Sao Paulo, what's the social scene like? Is it possible to have a social life as a medical student here? And if it is, what are the things that you guys do on the free time when you have quote-unquote free time? I mean, I want to have a social life. Yeah, it's re- <laughs> no, it's really important for me. It, it's something that I don't want to sacrifice. You know, I can sleep less, I can study a little less. I am I'm always trying to find a balance, definitely. But I, the per- my personal life is really important. I would be I would go crazy if I didn't try to make it work my per- my personal life. So I'm here, but uh, after here, I'm going. I'm hanging out, hanging out with my friends, and I'm seeing my family on Monday. I I'm always trying to find some space for me and for the people that I love because, uh, seriously, is they are the f- uh, the thing that keeps me sane. You know, yeah, I have said it before, like on the panel, <laughs> but the social scene in São Paulo is awesome. There is uh, literally everything you uh, you want to do. You just have to look for it. Somewhere you will find it. You will find people like you. You will find you will find your tribe. You know people that are that relate with your thoughts and everything. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Do you agree to that one? Yeah, like Ferdinando said, here in São Paulo we have a lot of tribes, a lot of groups. It's really beautiful. You know, I feel like here in São Paulo, maybe because it's a great city. Not everyone knows each other. People feel free to express themselves how they feel like. You know, it's beautiful. It is really beautiful. And as far as social scene goes, I think that, you know, there's like infinite possibilities for you to, to you know, go out here. There's a lot of bars. I don't think that if you would to go like one in one bar every day of the year i think that you will still be you know far away from from going to every bar in the city and like i'm talking good bars you know <laughs> but there's always you know underground parties that small groups throw and you can go into that to like you know you can meet your own friends meet new people I feel like Sao Paulo is really the place to be yourself and to go out and meet people. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, well, my social life this year was pretty pretty okay, I would say. I think that I I was able to, you know, 
go out sometimes with my friends, even go out alone because like, I like to do that and go to the movies alone because I'm pretty fan of going to the movies. And, you know, I even travel with my friends this year. Yeah, uh, well, to, to the beach, uh, nearby beach here. And, yeah, <laughs> it was a pretty good year, I would say. I'm fulfilled in this. You know, I think I'm, I'm balancing, balancing it. That's so good to hear, though, because balancing it is the hard. I think that's the hardest part of the struggle. It's how do you balance it? And what does that mean for each individual person? Because it's not the same for all of us. Like, this is how I balance my social life. I'm joking. But it's a balancing act. And being a college student, I guess now wherever you are, I mean, at least let's, eh, with between, the U, between New York and Sao Paulo, because we are just represent. We can't even say we represent that. It's just who we are. But because of the location we are, that's just narrative that we have to give. That's so cool. All righty. So I'd like to know kind of we talked about the big concepts. And, you know, the the flip side of things, it wasn't the most positive light. It's kind of all the big issues that we have today, but that's not the full story. So if you were to give me a flip side to what it is living in Sao Paulo or what it's like living in Sao Paulo, what would you say? I guess I found myself here in Sao Paulo. I'm not from Sao Paulo as well. My family is from a near city. It's like one hour and a half away from here. But I, I was born here in Sao Paulo. I grew up there, but I always commute to Sao Paulo because... All the opportunities are here, you know. So I eventually found myself here because from being from my smallest city, a smaller city, like I felt alone, you know. And here I guess I found myself. I find I found things that I could do, everything that I possibly wanted to do. And that's I know São Paulo has its own it has it your its problems, you know, a lot of problems, but um, I guess I love São Paulo and I, I don't want to leave São Paulo. I, I want to stay here and work here because I realized that that um, I found myself here. Yeah, basically that's it. Okay, so if I were to give the flip side of São Paulo, I'll probably say two things. The first one is probably the rough inequality we have here. So we have like a lot of people living in the streets and we have a lot of favelas, you know, people without a job. And there's also, like, people living their best lives. There's awesome buildings, like, probably the, you know, the, the best place and to live in Brazil could be here. And also, you know, maybe the worst place. There's this inequality in your face every time. When you walk in the street, there's people asking for money to live. There's people living in the streets. So I think this stuff make us, you know, tough and make us notice every time less and less and less of this inequality. So, you know, it's pretty hard because you want to do something, but you know, you can't help these people that much. And it's kind of hard. Like, it's a bigger issue. And also, the second thing I would say, it is the traffic. The traffic here, like, is awful. It's really awful. Uh, as I said, I'm from a smaller city. There I would, you know, take 
15 minutes to get to every place and you know when it took 30 minutes it was a really far place like yeah here in Sao Paulo it's like 40 minutes to everywhere so I take 40 minutes every day to go to college and then 40 minutes come back sometimes more you know if I take the bus or the metro in peak hours and you know this thing the the traffic it, it really sometimes you know bothers a little because there's awesome bars as i said there are awesome clubs here but sometimes you would take like 40 minutes to get to the bar or to the the club and it discourages us to do these things or maybe you know a cultural program if you would go if you want to go to a museum maybe maybe it's a farm museum and you would take like one hour one hour and ten minutes to get there so it is encourages you to do the these things and to really you know occupy the city and feel like you belong here yeah i mean that's also i feel like that's just a urban life problem yeah. like living in the city traffic is just because i've been to delhi cape town had it a little bit better to be honest but yeah it doesn't get it doesn't get worse than that um I w oh, there's one thing I did not address. The fact that you guys have to commute to school because there are no dorms here on campus. So everyone's a commuter student, right? Yeah. And what is that? How does that shape your college experience having to travel back and forth and not be in the convenience of living around school if you don't live around school, of course? Yeah, um, I think it's a, a thing of Sao Paulo or maybe big cities. But I think I've noticed it, the people try to live close to where they study, to where they work here in Sao Paulo. So they don't take, you know, long, they don't lose that much time to commute to work and to commute to where you study every day. So, yeah, I think that people that live far from Santa Casa usually try to move to closer you know try to move closer so you need to spend like you know maybe one two three four hours a day in a bus in a metro in a train so i moved to sao paulo this year i kept living on my city that smaller city uh, until this year and it took me like three hours per day uh, in total in total Oh no! <laughs> in total, like one hour and a half to come, and one one hour and a half to go back to my to my home. So, I moved this year. So I was really exhausted, and living here in São Paulo is really expensive, really really expensive. So I kept waiting, waiting, and then I I realized that I couldn't anymore because I was exhausted, and I was like doing all these things and still living so far from university and i realized that i couldn't do that anymore and i i this process took me like four or five years because before uh university i used to study for university like our pre-med cursinho yeah i still used to live in my city and it was even more far from here than university so i moved finally yeah. And how's that change been? I mean, living in the city, the heart of the city, the city center. It's awesome. Like, 
I have my privacy. It's awesome. I mean, I miss my family definitely a lot, but I have my my privacy. Everything's so near from here. Like Paulista Avenue is like ten minutes away, a ten minutes ride away with Uber, and it's cheap. So. It's it's really awesome, but I miss my parents. That's a question. You guys keep mentioning Paulista. For those for those who don't know what Paulista is, can you give a quick summary of what Paulista is? Paulista Avenue is like Times Square or Fifth Avenue. I don't know. It's like the most important avenue of Sao Paulo. There is a lot of shoppings, buildings, and restaurants, bars. Everything happens there. It's a place that we frequent. We used to go frequently. Yeah, walking through the sidewalks, there is you can look at your right and see museum, a museum like MASP is one of our most famous famous museum here in São Paulo, and uh, at the side of MASP there is a lot of homeless people, and on the other side when you look at your left you see a park like Trianon Park, and there is a lot of buildings where health people. I live people with money, so and at the streets there is like art artists as well singing and playing instruments. There is literally everything happening at Paulista Avenue, so it's like a place that defines São Paulo and Brazil as well. Like on a bigger scale of things. No, your art here is crazy though. The graffiti. I don't know if you guys notice it as much as I do because everywhere I go, I'm like graffiti. Graffiti is everywhere. It's like painted on the walls. But then your buildings don't have any color, so it was, it's just the most interesting. <laughs> like everything is cement, but then there's there's paint, there's graffiti, and then there's pichu. I think I do a disservice if I didn't give you guys a chance to talk a little bit about pichu. If you know anything about it, what is it? Yeah, so pichu, I think it's kind of a it's kind of a social representation thing, an art maybe of people that are marginalized. Shortly, I could say pichu. It's just uh, spray spray paint on the walls, and people. I think it's not that bland as graffiti, so signs maybe names this kind of stuff. So, pichasau, how how do you say it in English? Pichu, pichu. So no pichu. For it actually, <laughs> that's just how we pronounce it. So pichu is illegal. So it's like a rebel form of art here in, in Brazil. I I don't know if I could say art, but for me it is because it's like a social expression of a group of people. You know, like it's it's illegal, so they go and I don't know the the word for this, but they go like they go and do pichu. <laughs> It's different from graffiti, as you said. Uh, graffiti is a really beautiful form of art. It's really popular here in Brazil. Yeah, but pichu is more like an expression of a group that is feeling like they don't belong or they are not being assisted, and they just go and rebel. Yeah, basically. Yeah, so there's several documentaries about pichu and this, you know, margin marginalized culture. And I think that Bishu is not that beautiful in the eye as graffiti is. Maybe you could say the comparison between uh, graffiti and Bishu is kind of the, the comparison between Renaissance art and modern art. So sometimes Bishu seems like a, you know, 
not that beautiful thing but it's still art as well as you know modern art when you go to the museum about modern art and sometimes you don't understand that you don't find that beautiful as you do when you see you know renaissance painting paintings but it's still art it's still trying to you know get a message and this is what matters so yeah i consider pichu as an art form as well yeah because i saw like that's one of the main things you see you see buildings with graffiti and then you see pichu and for those who want to like look into it let me tell you how to spell it it's actually it, it doesn't sound how it's supposed to be spelled it's it's p-i-x-a-c-a-o and do you know the name of the the netflix uh movie for that okay you can just google it honestly you'll probably find it no someone's told me about the netflix movie for it and i know it's in the back of my head i just don't remember it but if i do remember it i'll just post about it to remind you guys to Check it out if you're interested in knowing more about Pichu art versus graffiti. And I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I can be pronouncing that wrong. Watch the movie. I don't know either. <laughs> no, because there's no word for it in English. It's not a... Yeah. It's just signatures. People who are like in the periphery, people who are marginalized, people who are forced out of the city center because of because they couldn't afford the new buildings that were being put up due to urbanization. They're like, hey, don't forget us. Don't silence our voices. This is who we are. And this is a whole... There's a whole like shebang about it but i just thought it'd be a disservice if i didn't mention it because it's something that you do see if you like if you've never been to sao paulo and it's just like okay all these buildings have these different art forms what do they mean and what's the difference between the two all right you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna end our episode if we have more time like add more to it if you guys are down for that yeah i did that with my other my friends too uh with deneva and doha's episode we kind of ended it and we were like part two to come so we're gonna stop this episode here for now And if you want more from either uh, Fernando or Juan, you're just going to have to watch episode two. Or sorry, listen to episode two because this is the podcast. All right, so let's end it here. Um, first and foremost, can you guys give your Instagram handles, way for people to kind of reach out to you if they have questions, concerns. If they just want to check you guys out and ask you more questions about Brazil, more questions about Sao Paulo, more questions about being a medical student, um, how can they reach you? Okay, so you can follow me on Instagram, I think. It's at Juan underscore Gui. Uh, I'll spell it. It's uh, J-U-A-N underscore G-U-I. Mine is Ferdinando Diniz. F-E-R-D-I-N-A-N-G-O-D-I-N-I-Z. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm on, and I'll put everything in the show notes. You can reach out to them and hopefully they'll be able to reach out to you guys in the most respectful way. Don't go fangirling about them, you know. Oh, Brazilian uh, guy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that, that happens. happens. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in, in the next episode, like finding out like more stigmas that we have about each of our different countries. It's going to be a very interesting conversation to have. But, um, Thank you guys so much for listening for this long because this has been a very interesting conversation and there's more to come in the next episode for it. But if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, or if you yourself want to be a guest on the H Suite, hit me up at either hsuitechats at gmail.com or at hsuitechats on Instagram if you have any questions, concerns, comments. Uh, if you're watching the show and you just want to let me know, let me know. I'd love to hear it. But yeah, thank you so much for listening and I will see you guys or talk to you guys later. Peace. <laughs>